Uh, today we are starting a brand new series called Family Vacation. Family Vacation. <clears throat> How many of y'all have already gone on a family vacation in the last couple of weeks, maybe, or something like that? Have anybody gone on a family vacation? Okay, just a few. How many of you have a family vacation planned in the next couple of months of summer? We have one planned. Okay, most of you. All right, so this is going to relate to just about everybody here, okay? Family vacations are awesome and sometimes not awesome, okay? But uh, you understand what I'm talking about, all right? But, but during the spring and the summer, uh, most of the time, this is the, the, the season of taking family vacations. And these can be a great opportunity for us to spend some time together, to show each other some love, and, and also to model grace and love towards one another. Uh, because how many of you know that when you're stuck in a car with somebody for three, five 10 hours, you're going to need some grace for those people, all right? You're going to need a little bit of extra love for those people because it gets smelly with the kids. You know, people are needing to stop all the time. You know, you're on different bathroom schedules, so you're stopping every 45 minutes with all the kids and everything. You know what I'm talking about. You need a little bit of extra grace, and you're in this, this same place together. It's difficult, right? Uh, but, but this is a series all about one family vacation, if you can call it, and I'll, I'll introduce that in just a second, but uh, I love family vacations. I, we didn't really go on too many, like, all family vacations when I was growing up, but, but we actually had, uh, me and Lindsay in Oakland went to Corpus Christi the last few days. We got in, we actually left on Thursday, and we got back on Saturday, and so we stayed on North Beach in this condo. If you know where that is, it's right where the USS Lexington is where the Texas State Aquarium is. And we actually just stayed on that little strip right there so we could just walk to everything. And it was cool because the place we stayed, there was a bunch of different rooms all over the place, but the one we stayed in was directly on the second floor, directly looking out over the beach. And so that was really fun to be able to kind of see that. And Oakland loved it. Yeah, she posted a video yesterday of me in Oakland sitting out on the little balcony with our orange juice from Whataburger. Because if you go to Corpus Christi, you got to go to Whataburger, right? I mean, that's like, that's where Whataburger started. So you have to, okay? So we got breakfast at Whataburger and I had my little, uh, my orange juice and Oakland had his and he said, cheers, daddy. And I went, ding, you know, and had our little Whataburgers, uh, Whataburger uh, uh, orange juice and had a great time. So uh, he was, he was sick a little bit though. And then that kind of puts a damper on things. He, he was kind of getting over a sickness. And so the first day was not necessarily the greatest. He didn't sleep really well. And we were all sleeping in the same bed uh, because they had these bunk beds, but they were actually a lot higher than we thought they were. So we we're like, ah, oh, we can't put him in there. So just throw him in between us. And so he he kept us up all night. And you know how it is on family vacations. Sometimes that's the kind of stuff that happens. And you just got to roll with the punches, right? I mean, because you're there. Like, you paid good money to be here. We're going to have fun, all right? <laughs> you get over this, and you have some fun out there. Get on the beach, you know? It's like I'm trying to calm myself down and everything. It's all good. But, but we had a great time. We went to the Texas State Aquarium, and we got to see the sharks. We did the dolphin show. That was a lot of fun, where the dolphins are going up. And we bought them this little this little uh, uh, souvenir. We like to buy him souvenirs every time we go somewhere so he can remember, you know, where he's been and, and remember the things. So we bought him this little dolphin. And uh, I was out last night with the rad youth uh, partying till almost the wee hours of the morning, forgetting that we had church this morning. So I was like, oh man, I got to get home anyway. But uh, so I was hanging out with him and Lindsay sent me this photo right before he was going to sleep. And he was just hugging his dolphin that he had gotten. And he was doing like, all these little tricks because they were jumping out of the water and everything. So he was like showing us how they were doing the tricks. It was just adorable. But we had a great time. This is our first family vacation that we've had 
in a while because planning a church, how many of you know, uh, it's a grind, all right? It's not the easiest thing in the world. And I had another job doing marketing. I was able to finally drop that job. So this is the only thing that I do now, which is awesome. It's great. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. But with that, I was like, yes, we finally get to go on vacation. This is wonderful. So uh, we've had our first family vacation. We might have another little one before the end of the summer. But uh, wherever you're going over the summer, you might need a little bit of grace for one another. Not everything might go exactly according to plan. And they bring these opportunities for togetherness and this fresh, uh, exciting opportunity. You have this extended time with you know, your parents, your siblings, and, and you, you maybe try a new adventure or uh, you build a new memory. You strengthen those relationships. But sometimes that forced togetherness, right, requires you to extend a little bit more grace and love to one another. And, but but the, the difference is, is when you're in a family unit, you have this safety net of, of this, this covenant bond of the fact that, hey, we're family. Like, no matter what you go through, you're still family. And at the end of the day, like, we're going to be okay, right? You go through all kinds of things with family. You might have a crazy uncle. You know what I mean? You might have had a strained relationship with your brother or sister. But at the end of the day, I hope that you can come back to that and say, hey, you know what? We're still family. And it's this idea of covenant, the promise of unconditional love, is where grace happens in our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. And so this family bond was actually created by God himself, this covenant. At the very beginning, God creates Adam and Eve, right? Or he creates Adam and then he says, hey, this is not good for you to be alone. And then he creates Eve and says, hey, you guys are gonna be joined together. This is gonna be a partnership between the two. This is the first time that you really see this. But even within uh, God himself, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is this, this dynamic of, hey, we need each other. We work together. But I think that this family covenant is best displayed in the life of one man and his name is Abraham. Abraham uh, and his family, they went on a family vacation, <clears throat> not really a, a vacation as you and I might think of as a vacation. It was more like a family. Lindsay, what did you say before? It's like a family. It's not a family vacation. It's a family trip. <laughs> it's not necessarily always a vacation, but it is a trip. We are going somewhere, but it might not feel like a vacation, right? But Abraham and his family went on this family vacation, but it really wasn't much of a vacation at all. It was more of an assignment from God. It was something that God had called him to. And so we're going to read in Genesis 18 today, Genesis 18, 17 through 19. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Direct. I want you to remember that. I've chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household. So Abraham, it was not originally called Abraham. His name was originally Abram. Uh, but God calls him in this amazing experience that he has. And I'm going to just kind of read this to you very quickly, what happens with Abraham. Uh, in Genesis 12, which is about six chapters earlier, says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, how many of y'all are like, that's a pretty cool promise. 
That's awesome. If God showed up to you and said something like that to you, I think you'd be pretty stoked. That's awesome. If somebody blesses me, they'll be blessed. If they curse me, they'll be cursed. That's awesome. So all those people that have ever cursed you in your life, you're like, ha ha, like you're going to be cursed, right? You know? And that's pretty cool, you know, and then I'm going to make you into a great nation and and I'm going to go and give you this land. And so there was this promise that God made with Abraham. It was kind of this promise of, of, of land. There was going to be a land I'm going to show you. I'm going to give to your people. It's this promise of a nation. I'm going to make you into a great nation, right? And then it's going to be a generational thing. It's going to be a very, very long, actually in another part of scripture, it shows God takes him out and shows him all the stars, right? Have you, have you ever been to the the camping before or something like that, and you go out, and it's just so much different than being in the city, and you're way out in the middle of nowhere, and you just see all the beautiful stars. It says that God takes them out and shows them all the stars. Hey, this is how many uh, people that you're going to have in your family line. It, you can't even count how many people are going to be because all of the stars. I mean, you got to imagine Abraham just standing there being like, how in the world is this going to happen? But what an amazing promise that God had given him. I've called you to be a father of many nations. But here's what I want to talk to you about today. And it's a series we're going through. It's all about family dynamics, family relationships, and parenting, and how that relates back to uh, what God has for us through scripture, and what he has for you and your life. And I want to point out one thing today in particular, that God makes a direct correlation between Abraham's parenting and the fulfillment of the promise that he had given him. You go back and look at this. Look at this. I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that, the transitional phrase there, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. It was obviously tied in his direction of his family and him directing his kids was directly tied to the promise that God had given him to make him the father of many nations. Wow. And so the point I have for you today, and really I just have one point, and we're going to talk about this, and we're going to really dive deep into this. And for the next three weeks, what we're going to do is look at the life of Abraham and look at his parenting style, his skills. We'll tell some funny vacation stories. I promise there are a few that I have that I could tell you, okay? So uh, we'll have a good time, but really we're going to spend our whole series looking at uh, Abraham here. So Parenting is tied to the promise. That's what we're talking about today. So Genesis 18, God is talking, and he's calling fathers to direct their children, fathers and mothers, really, parents, to direct their children, to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. And being a parent, what is being a parent? Really, at the end of the day, in the Christian faith, we would say that being a parent is working on God's behalf to provide direction for your children. That's really all it is. We're working with God. We partner with God to provide direction for our children, to lead our children eventually into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Come on, how many of you parents out there want your kids to have a life-giving, peace-filled, joy-filled relationship with Jesus? Anybody out there today? Come on. I know I want that for my son. Any future kids that we have, man, I want that for all of my kids, and I hope that you want that as well. And that's really what being a parent is. But I wanted to break it down in a way that's maybe a little bit easier for for us uh, to understand. So it talks about directing. He's going to direct his family, direct his kids in the way that is right and just. So what is a director? I, th- I was looking at this and I felt like the Lord gave me this illustration. What's, what's a director? Well, a film director is basically somebody who controls the film's artistic and dramatic aspects. They're the one that actually kind of visualizes the screenplay. 
All right, you have a script, right? This is how it works. If you don't know how film works, okay, they have the script and then they hire a director that basically takes this script and puts it into visual form. Now, how many of you know that's a difficult thing to do, right? I mean, that's not an easy thing. This is why directors get paid top dollar because they are directing every aspect of this movie uh, into the actualization of this thing that we see on the screens in front of us. So he guides the technical crew and the actors into the fulfillment of that overall vision. And the film director gives the direction to the cast and crew, creates an overall vision through which a film eventually becomes realized. But here's the thing, directors need to be able to mediate differences in creative visions and also stay within the budget. How many of you have ever met a creative person before? Okay, sometimes they're a little cocky, all right? Creative people, and, and honestly, I'm one of them. And as a creative, I mean, I, I led worship. I play all, basically all the instruments. I like to say that I play piano, but I don't really, okay? I, I putz around on it a little bit. Uh, but I, I do photography, videography, social media, managing, all that kind of stuff. I've done that stuff for years. Uh, communications, whatever you might have it. And so I would call myself a creative. But creative people, naturally, they think that they're the best at what they do, all right? And if you do something differently, they're like, well, that's not really my style. Like, my style is like this, and like, I'm drinking my lattes, and then I just like take some photos, and it's like, I have a great Instagram. Have you seen the cohesiveness of my feed? It's like, you know, like, (laughs) it looks great and everything. Okay, that's fine. But listen, we all have different ways that we do things. We all have different ways that we want to accomplish the vision of the script being put on to that screen, And the director's job is to kind of determine, okay, how are we going to do that? We're going to stay within the budget. We can't go too crazy. You know, we're not having explosions everywhere because we're going to pay for this stuff too. It's a difficult job. Directors have the vision and their main job is simply to communicate that vision to everybody that's underneath them. That's their job. As a director, you communicate the vision to everybody underneath you. And this is the role of a parent in a child's life. God gives us the responsibility to care for our children, right? As the visionary, as the director of our children, we have the vision from God on what our family should look like. How do, what, what's the script that we have? The word of God. We have this script that we can look to, that we can see how do we parent our kids in a way that honors God? How do we parent our children and lead our family in a way that's going to lead them into a life-giving relationship with Jesus and to help one another and to love one another and to honor God in everything we do? We have that script. That's the word of God. So we know what the vision is. We have the script. And now it's our job as parents to communicate that to our kids. We have a responsibility to care for our children, to, to direct them in the ways of God and to lead them in that right direction to fulfill the vision of a healthy family that serves God and accomplishes his will. But here's, okay, so like we can all understand that part of it, all right? But what does directing my children look like? Because have you seen my kids? You know, like, and that's the first thing that you might say, like, my kids are crazy. You know, like, how do you direct your children in any way, shape, or form? If you've been a parent for any period of time, and my son is two and a half, and I have one. I have one child. For those of you with five or six, God bless you, okay? Like, the fact that you can direct them at all, the fact that you don't lose any of them at all is incredible to me. It's baffling. I saw a guy at the beach the the other day. He had, like, five kids, and he was by himself. Like, your children, there's, like, three of them out in the water. Like, what if if one of them goes under? Like, what do you do? You just, like, abandon the other ones and run out there? Like, he leaves the four to get the one, you know? Like... Like, what do you do? You know, it's, it's by yourself. You got to have some backup, you know, it's difficult, but I have one and he has learned the power of no. 
All right, he really has. He is expressing his individuality. <clears throat> All right. And, and I love him. He's such a fun kid, but he's at that stage where he's, he's learning, hey, I have the sense of autonomy and I can do whatever I want. And, you know, you're not necessarily in charge. And I'm like, oh, yes, I am. And he's like, but no, you're not. <laughs> you know, he runs away and says no. And these are things that kids learn. They learn these things, but we have to lead them and guide them through these expressions of their own individuality uh, and their own self-expression. So what is directing my kids look like? They might be running around like a bunch of monkeys and you're like, I don't know what to do with these kids, but let me help you a little bit. And this is some basic stuff, but we might get into this more as we go through the series. The first thing I want to say is Proverbs 22, 6 says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way they should go. Even when they're old, they will not turn from it. At the end of the day, that is what we need to do as parents, right? If you have a young child, many parents, they won't get into church until their children get a little bit older. And their main reason for that is, is, is they say, you know what, like our kids are young, and I'm not going to clean up my act and maybe my kids will get a little bit older and then we'll get them into church and stuff like that. No, no, no. Listen, what I want you to do is I want you to understand, listen, your kids, when they're one, two, three years old, there is no junior Holy Spirit. Okay, people like they can still have the Holy Spirit within them. Like they can still experience God over here in rad kids. I want to make sure that each of us understands that it is our job as parents to direct our children from the earliest, youngest of ages. This little guy, oh, right over here. You can direct him, all right? You can, is, what's his she? What's her name? Davina. You can direct Davina, okay? Right now. How old is she? 11 months. Did you know there's no junior Holy Spirit? Come on. She's going to eventually get to Oakland's age and start telling you no, and then you're going to have to pray to the Lord for some grace. She, what's up? She's your fourth, so you already know. Praise Jesus, all right? She's even trying to run away from me right now. God bless you. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, such a, that's such a representation of kids. They just like, you're just running away. You're like, no, come back, please. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But this is our job as parents. You're in church right now. That's the best thing. She is chilling in church right now at 11 months old. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Why? Because directing our kids and starting them off in the right way involves helping them to understand God's standards for their behavior. They're fruits of the Spirit, and, and these, these things are universal things, right? Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness. You know, you have self-control. You come back to that one, like joy, self-control, self-control. You come back to that one a lot with your kids, you know? This is how we love one another, this is how we don't hit, okay? This is how we show grace to one another. When something doesn't go your way, you have patience. You're not always gonna get that toy. Okay, you need to be wait until this other person. There's all little basic things, but these are actually biblical concepts that the world has just taken, right? These are biblical standards that the world has taken and, 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 and given them to our children and teach them in books, but where the world gets it wrong and where we need to get it right is that we also have to teach our kids that they're sinners by nature, we're all sinners, right? The Bible says that we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God and that they need Jesus in their life, that they need a savior. And Jesus is that savior. That's why I'm so glad that we have rad kids. I'm so glad that we have a, a ministry that, that directly is, is serving your children to help them find Jesus on their level. 
That's what it's all about, that we can help them learn what it's like to live by these godly standards. And we can partner with you as a parent to help them. But many of us have a hard time training and directing our children because, number one, I think there's a push in our culture right now to let children decide some very important things for themselves. And this is anti-Bible ideology to the core. Because God does not call your children to lead you. He has called you to lead your children, all right? So can I just encourage you today, let's step up and lead our kids in a godly way. Let's lead. Let's be the parents that God has called us to be. Let's direct our children in a way that will honor God. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 23 kind of illustrates this a little bit. You shall therefore... Lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. There'll be a frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, talking about Abraham and Isaac. As long as the heavens are above earth, for if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, the, loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all of these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. That is powerful. There are things in your life that you cannot overcome by yourself. There are obstacles that you will face. And if you will teach the laws of God to your children, if you'll, it says talking of them when you're sitting in your house, what does that look like? Family meetings? Anybody had a family meeting never before? Come on now. Talk, sit around the dinner table and talk about the things of God. Talk about these biblical concepts with your kids. Talk about what they learned at church. Talk about things that happened in school and relate it back to scripture. Hey, how can we, uh, how can we relate this back to what God says about this situation, right? Have these kinds of talks. And it might be awkward at first, but man, it is so important. Why? Because God says to the Israelites anyway, that the Lord will drive out nations before you. You will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. You'll be able to accomplish things that you never would be able to accomplish if you have that strong, structured family unit and you lead your kids in the ways of God. So I'm going to just encourage you with this. If your kids are not here today and you have kids, maybe they're older or whatever it might be, man, get your kids in church. For those of you that have your kids in Rad Kids, man, that's awesome. For those of you that have your kids here in church with us today, that's awesome. I'm so glad that they are here. This is the first step and it is an easy win. It's an easy win. Why? Because we literally have an amazing kids pastor who has 10 years of experience in helping kids find Jesus on their level, all right? So she does a great job. The team does a great job. And I just constantly want to give them praise because she makes it easy on them to lead your children in the lessons that they do and they worship together. They experience God together. It's an easy win. We want to partner with you as a church with your kids to help them in their walk with Jesus. Make it a little bit easier on you. So uh, they might say, well, I don't want to go to church. And you say, I don't care. You're going to church, all right? Make it easy. My mom had to ground me from church, okay? Like, I love church so, so much. I don't know whether you agree with that or not. I don't even know if I agree with it, okay? But she had got me into church at such a young age. I loved church so much growing up. I always wanted to be there, so much so that I wouldn't do my homework so that I could go to church. 
I would do everything else to get to church. I would hang out with my friends. I'd worship. I loved everything about church. And that was an amazing thing. But it was so much so that my mom sometimes had to say, hey, like, you can't go to church right now. You're in trouble. Do your homework. And I was like, no, I want to go to church. Wouldn't that be amazing if all of our kids were crying because they want to go to church so bad? That'd be an amazing thing. Because I want to go experience God. I want to go hang out with my friends and, you know, just be a part of this environment. I love church so much. I want to be a part of this. Man, how, what about if your 10-year-old was saying that to you? That's an amazing thing. And I want that for you and your kids. And we want to help uh, we want to help you along with that. So lead your kids into truth and God will bless you. But if you allow them to decide their own truth, allow them to decide what's true or not, you better get ready for some chaos and confusion. What if a director of a business, let's say a director of a business, a manager, whatever it might be, let his employees do whatever they wanted, right? Let's say, for example, Elon Musk. He's coming here. and uh, or, or Jeff Bezos, right, with Amazon. Let's say they just decided one day, we're going to do away with all of our policies and procedures. And you guys, you guys know what to do. Y'all will figure it out by yourselves, right? And then all of the hundreds of thousands of employees that these businesses have, these companies have, they just get to do whatever they want. And eventually they're, they're left to their own devices. What's going to happen? That company is going to fall apart very, very quickly. Maybe they don't train them. They say, you know what? We're not going to do any trainings anymore. We're just going to let you guys decide how you want to uh, have this business be run. If you want to take extra long breaks, you, know, you do whatever you want. If you want to work the whole time, that's fine. We're not going to train you. That, that company is going to get ruined very, very quickly. But then some parents take the opposite approach, and which is like the boss that, that it's like the no fun zone kind of person, all right? Like, no, listen, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. Like the very strict. How many of you grew up with strict parents? Raise your hand. Come on. All right. Pan the cameras around so their parents at home can see wherever they're at. They had strict parents growing up. Okay. Uh, they might take uh, that very strict approach. And maybe when your kids don't, uh, don't meet your expectations or when you didn't meet your parents' expectations, right? Maybe you got yelled at or, or it was, it was a, you know, a spanking or whatever it might be, a whooping, you know, if you're from the South, you know, whatever it's called. Uh, and that, that boss, if there was a boss like that, that led his company, his, his employees like that, what would eventually happen? Well, they would all leave. There'd be a high turnover rate because they would come in and they would realize it's a toxic environment and they would leave and try to go somewhere else. There would be a lot of turnover and eventually the company would fall under because no employees would be staying long enough for the company to grow or it would just stay stagnant for a very long time. Eventually, they would probably lose all their employees because of reviews and everything that people would talk about the business. Hey, this, this company is horrible. This guy treats his employees like trash. It would go under. And this is how we treat our kids sometimes, these two ways. We either don't direct them and we allow them to kind of decide what they want to do. And when they go too far, then now we've lost the values and the vision of the family that we wanted. We've lost the vision because we've allowed our kids to go too far. But on the flip side, if you're strict, like no fun zone kind of parent, right? You don't give your kids any room to be themselves. Then they'll resent you and you might lose that relationship. That's a difficult thing to deal with, right? As parents, you understand that, especially if you've had multiple kids, you're like, this is a tough thing to balance. Like, are we being too hard on them or are we being too light on them? And kind of going back and forth, you feel like you're on a seesaw sometimes as a parent. And I don't want parents to ever lose, lose their relationship with their kids. So for this second, uh, the second thing here, I have a verse, Colossians 3.21. It says, fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. That's a good one right there, y'all, because how many of y'all have ever lost your temper at your kids before? Come on, I've done it. 
Dad? <laughs> I don't know if I like having my parents at the church that I preach <laughs> at. It's really great. And then sometimes, yeah, I was not the greatest. Oh, my goodness. Don't aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Why? We need to gently guide them. Because the Bible says, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, love is not easily angered. Even when they're not doing what you want them to do, and you told them for the thousandth time, sometimes directing, as far as a filmmaker goes, involves getting the actors to do multiple takes, right? They don't always get it right the first time. These are professionals. They won't always get it right. And sometimes there's actually some room for the actors to express themselves in their own individuality, and they have some freedom in interpreting how the part should be played, right? How many of y'all have seen the Friends Reunion? Anybody watch the Friends Reunion on HBO Max? Okay, how many of y'all have seen Friends? Just, you've seen the show or anything? Okay, so most people have seen it. I think it is an amazing show. I love it. My wife has seen it probably 12 times all the way through, at least, at least. And it was just one of those shows, I think y'all know, it's just one of those ones that you just kind of leave it on and it just is in the background and you can watch it and it's always funny. It's always relevant, whatever it might be. Uh, but we watched the Friends Reunion. I thought it was really cool. Um, you saw some different things, some behind the scenes stuff. And one thing that actually wasn't in there, but I've seen in the past is, is I can't, I always, I can't remember their real names. So I'm just going to identify them as their characters, <laughs> if that's cool with everybody. So, uh, so Chandler would actually rewrite some of his own lines. He would go back and with the writers, he was really, really funny. So he would go back and rewrite some of his own lines because he was like, well, I don't really like this one as much. Can we change it to this? And they say, that's hilarious. Yes, like, go for it. And then Ross would add some extra physical comedy. If you saw the Friends reunion, uh, I do know Matt LeBlanc. I know his name, David Schwimmer. There we go. I know a little thing here. Okay. So he had this thing with some, uh, <clears throat> some tight pants. If you guys know that episode, all right? He had some tight pants. He's like trying to pull them up and he has like lotion everywhere. And he like basically like smacks himself in the face. And Matt LeBlanc says, you know, I knew that that was calculated. I knew that that was, you knew exactly what you were doing. And the physical comedy in that was just absolutely brilliant. But you know that that's not actually written into the script, right? A lot of these things aren't written in there. It's just things that the actors decide on their own as a part of their individualized uh, expressions of these characters. And this is the funniest part about the, the Friends reunion is Janice, the, the annoying New Yorker that dated Chandler for a long time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Janice, all right? Yeah. So, her laugh, her, that annoying laugh was not written into the script. And this was a really interesting part. She was playing across Chandler, who he's such a funny dude, right? And she knew that uh, there was no way I'm going to be able to have this part and to, to play, uh, you know, across from him and act aside from him without laughing because he's just too funny. And so she was doing this New York accent and then she goes, <laughs> and then it just was forever her laugh ever since then. It actually became a part of her character. She was the one that came up with it. And it was just because she knew that she was going to laugh. So she had to let out the laugh somehow. I thought that was really funny, but it worked in the overall vision, right? So don't aggravate your kids maybe when they're not exactly like you or they don't do the things exactly the way that you would have them to do it, right? 
but, but let's work together to not aggravate them lest they become discouraged. We want them to become encouraged, not beating them down into a place of, hey, listen, you're not doing what I want you to do. And they get discouraged. You say, hey, listen, you're not really uh, doing what I need you to do right now. But hey, let me show you how to do this in a way that you can still be yourself and you can still express yourself, but still stay within the lines of the overall boundaries and vision of our family, which is to serve and honor God. Amen. Does that make sense? It should ultimately be Christ centered. So with that, what I want to do today is I want everybody to stand in this place. I had a couple other points today, to be honest, and I decided that I wanted to take a lot more time with that one. I decided actually this morning to just break this whole thing up into three separate sermons. I was going to come up with two other ones and I was like, man, this stuff is good. I want to dig deeper into this. And so first one is that Parenting is tied to the promise. Abraham's parenting was directly tied to the promise. He had to parent in a way that would honor God and and make sure that his kids would be able to sustain the promise that God had given him well after he was gone. How many of you would love to have a family line when you're a great-great-grandpa or a great-great-grandma, you can look and see all of your kids, all your grandkids, your great-grandkids, maybe serving Jesus together. That's the legacy that I want to leave, and I hope that you want to leave that legacy as well. What I want to do right now is I want to make sure that we know that maybe there's some of you today that your kids are grown, and they're not serving the Lord. I don't want you to feel shame or guilt or condemnation, because I know that that's something a lot of parents will struggle with. You'd be 60 years old, and you have kids that maybe don't serve the Lord, and you look back, and you say, what could I have done differently, right? What should I have done differently? And you beat yourself up about it. Instead of doing that, what I would encourage you to do is to continue to pray for them and don't lose hope. Because I've seen time and time again, the people that are farthest away from God can sometimes have the most radical transformations. Amen. So don't beat yourself up because there's no shame. There's no guilt, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So we're not going to shame ourselves. That's the enemy talking to you saying you were a bad parent. You didn't do this. And you know what? Honestly, maybe you did mess up in a lot of ways. But maybe Christ has transformed your life and and you want him to transform your kids' lives and man, keep praying, keep pressing in because I believe God can do it. I just wanted to say that because I feel like there might be a couple of parents out there that struggle with that. Don't let that stop you from praying for your kids and believing that God can do some amazing things in their lives. Next week, we're gonna talk about sacrifice and how Abraham had to go up on top of the mountain and almost sacrifice his son sacrificed the promise God had given him. And then on Father's Day, we're going to talk about how fatherhood is tied to faith. How the way that people see their fathers is a lot of time how they see God. And I'm really excited to, to hang out with you guys on Father's Day. I'm going to tell you, we got a bacon bar is what we're going to do, y'all. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. We're going to get some grills out there. We're going to cook up some bacon. We're going to have some coffee. We're going to have a good time in the name of the Lord. It's going to be good. I might even give away some Home Depot gift cards or something like that. You know, what's up? What's up? Like, we might have a good time with that. So I want to encourage you to come back for the next couple weeks. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to tell some funny stories, and we're just going to have a good time looking to the story of Abraham and what it looks like to direct your kids, right? So if that's you today, you say, hey, I would love some help. Just some, hey, this message has resonated with me today. I'd love some help. 
directing my kids. I would love for God to, uh, to, to bless our family and help me as a dad or me as a mom to, to direct my kids. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you today. That's me. I'm raising my hand right there with you. I'm going to direct my kids right towards Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's do this. Speak out loud over your children. Pray blessings over your children right now, okay? Lord Jesus, we just declare right now over our kids that as we direct them, as we lead them and guide them, that they will come into a life-giving relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you that they're even over there right now, some of these kids, experiencing you maybe for the first time, experiencing your love, experiencing your grace, Lord. Learning about how you are their friend, Jesus. And God, I pray for these parents that are here in this room today, that you would help us to be patient with our kids, allow them to express themselves and in this seesaw of parenting that seems so difficult sometimes, and we're trying to lead them the best way that we can, but it might get discouraging sometimes. God, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged today, that we can do the thing that you've called us to do. We can direct and lead our children into this relationship with you. We can do the best we can. And Lord, you're going to give us grace where we fail. And our weakness, God, you are made strong. And so we rely on you right now and we give you our children. Lord, we say, would you uh, would you help them, Lord? Would you bless them? Would you give them favor in every single area that they put their hands to? God, I thank you for these parents today that are taking this commitment to direct and lead their kids in godly ways. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in our families over the next few weeks. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today. Thank you so much for being here. Fill out that connect card if you're new and make sure to invite somebody to Father's Day and get in a rad group if you're not already in a rad group. Get that church center app. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you later.